Father, this morning we come to you once again. This time of ministry of the word, we surrender our hearts, our minds, O oh Lord. Continue to change the way we think. Renew our mind, O oh Lord, constantly, Lord. For your word says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Changes, changes constantly, Lord. We have the mind of Christ. Teach us to think like Christ, Lord, so that we can act like Christ. We commit this time, all the dear ones here and around the world listening, commit them all into thy hands. For those who are not well in the body of Christ, I speak the word of healing, Lord. For your word says, I send forth my word and heal you of your infirmities. Touch and heal, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So, we are, remember in Titus 1, 7 and 8, I didn't give it, but uh, you see the lie of the enemy was that if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, you will be like God. Okay, it was a lie. There were two trees. And when they fell, God removed them from the garden because of the other tree. Honestly, if we want to be to become like God, we need to eat from the tree of life. Okay. And that's why Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. Once you are born again by his word, by his spirit, what he does is, he feeds us life, his life, which is in his word, through the spirit, he feeds. And when we partake of it, we actually become more and more like him. Not the way, okay, not the way the devil intended, the way God intended is that we would partake of the tree of life. And God is our life. His word is our life and we become like him. And when we become like him, remember, it is not primarily first about doing it is about becoming something. And there's so much in the Bible. No? This is just not an exhaustive list you have in so many places, including Romans, Second Peter, we know, add to your faith, virtue, goodness, brotherly love. These are all okay, part of it. But last week, we began on be holy, just holy. And because it's put there down in the list, it is not... Uh, Least, it is actually one of the most important facets of God's character. And last Saturday when we looked, we saw the first step of becoming holy. You don't become holy by learning. You become holy only by walking with God. It does not come by the laying of hands. It does not even come by teaching. It comes with walking with a person and his holiness is something that it's not, it's imputed in us. You learn to become holy by, but we can learn about holiness, but you learn to become holy by walking with God. So we saw last week, the first step of being holy is God calls us to be separate from. Then we are separate unto God. Okay? And we will see this entire uh, concept of separation right from Genesis chapter 1 when he separates the light and the darkness. Through it all, we'll see the concept of separation. Then we look at Genesis 1 and 2. Now, 
to getting into today's uh, teaching, when we look into Genesis 1 and 2, of course, Genesis 1 and 2, we will see, though God creates the heavens and the earth, it seems the creation seems to be man-centric. Creation, okay, not the creator. Creation seems to be man-centric, okay? Though we have all these planets, billions, this thing around, it seems to be, focus seems to be on a little, tiny little speck called Earth. In that speck is somebody called man, and uh, the, it seems to be man-centric. doesn't make man God, but God focuses on man. Therefore, heaven's focuses on man, and uh, that man would walk with God, exercise the dominion, God's dominion on earth, and bring God glory. And he would, like the old catechism says, enjoy God forever. The purpose of man was to enjoy God forever and bring God glory, honor, and praise. Today we go back to Exodus 19, verses 3 and 6, when Israel is brought out. Remember, the man Abraham is called to come out, and now Israel. When Moses went up to the mount, um, went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptian, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the children of Israel. Okay, this is what he says. Practically parallel in First Peter two nine, we see the same thing being told to the church. Now, because we are already saved in this case, God says, "You are a chosen generation." a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you will see there's something over there. Man was created. Okay, Man was created by God. Man would serve God. Man would enjoy God. Man would declare God's praise and his glory. And actually man would be the object of God's love object of God's love. That's why in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, okay, the Holy Spirit through John says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Okay? And you get it, this whole thing, okay? The entire creation, creation, we are talking about here, there's the heavens and the earth, the whole creation, if you look at it from Genesis perspective, seems to be man-centric. And God has lavished his love on man. The entire creation of Eden and the whole description is all about for, it is all for man. Okay? And he loves man. He want to walk with man. And he wants man to glorify him and praise him. Okay? That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, because of how God loves us. Therefore, what, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay? Now we'll look a little on this topic called glory. It is not wrong to desire glory for oneself, but it is the desire for undeserved glory that is wrong. So it is not wrong for God to desire glory. 
Why? Because all things were created by him, for him and through him. So God as the creator has a right to deserve, ask for glory. Okay? So Colossians 1, 16 to 18 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. So God has a right to, to our praise. To we glorify him. Remember, we were brought out of darkness into light to declare his praises. Okay? Now God does not come and tell us, come glorify me. God does not come and say, praise me. It's like children, no? They will scribble something and say, now say good, say, say good, okay, okay. God doesn't come and say that, okay? Okay, come glorify me. Though he can, if he wants to, he can command us to glorify him, okay? Okay, but we need to understand, when God says, the whole, this, the premise we are putting is that, what is the basis on which God says, come is separate? Or why would you want to be separate? Okay, we need to because if we don't understand the basis on which we will never desire to be separate. Okay, listen to what God says to Israel. Look at the picture, Deuteronomy chapter seven, and verses six to eight. For you are a holy people. Holy means set apart, separated, sanctified. Okay, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now look at this. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you, and because you would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. What is it? He says, you know what the basis? He says, looks at Israel and says, you know why I picked you? There's nothing great about you. You were slaves. You were the least of peoples. But I loved you. Okay? I loved you. Okay? There's no reason to, for me to love you too. In my sovereignty, I loved you. And because I loved you, I chose you. I lavished my love upon you. I chose you. I delivered you. I brought you. Now I ask you is, be separate for me. Get it? The basis on which God asks us to be separated unto him is because he loves us. And if we don't understand that, and we are not moved by that, we will never succeed in being separate. This is not a law. You can give the entire old kingdom, and people will not be separated. They will be separated outwardly, end up like Taliban. That's how Israel was in the Old Testament. They became like that. You know, this Talibanization of religion is because they do not know why we need to be separate. There is a God who loves us. Okay? And that's what he's telling. Now look at how he says that in the book of Romans, okay, to us, 
For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. It's the first statement God says, you know, you're weak. You had no strength at all. And you were ungodly. I mean, if I were to look at you, I had no reasons to love you. You were not strong that I should desire you. You were weak, but still I desired you. You were not godly. You were ungodly. Okay. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. If it's a righteous man. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we were weak. We were ungodly. We were sinners. And Christ died for us. The extent of his love, because that's the only way God could save us. The only way, there was no other way God could save us, okay? Much more than now, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, okay? So not only all that, we were also hostile to God. We were enemies of God. We were reconciled to God. How? What was God's level of love? Through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So what's the principle he's saying? Okay, He says, you know what? I paid the entire price of your transgression. And he offers us his righteousness, peace and joy and eternal security in the kingdom of his father. And he says, when you really believe this, and you repent, and you receive the work of my son, my spirit will come inside you, and he will cause us to be separated. He will cause us to praise and glorify God, and will cause us to long to fellowship with him. Okay, And then he separates us to himself. This is the basis on which separation takes place. Okay, This is the basis of separation. That's why he says, and then once we understand who he is and what he has done for us and we are his, then he comes and tells us in First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. It is to the saved sanctification is told. It is not told to the others. Okay, it's not told to the others. If you're unsaved, sanctification means nothing. Sanctification will honestly make you into a um, Taliban. That's what it will do you. But to the saved, sanctification, the basis, the premise, the reason why is completely different. It's because of his love for us. Okay, and he fills us with his himself, which Bible says, with his love, with his power and his mind out and his mind, and sends us out to bring the others in. Okay. Now, once that has happened, now we come to the second premise. Okay. Now, once that has happened, that we understand God loves us so much, like he loved Israel, and he loves us so much, he died for us, so that we could become his, and now we believe that and become his. What happened? Okay, now if, now after that, if God does not have us, he is jealous of whatever takes us from him. Okay, now 
after that, he will be jealous of whatever or whoever takes us from him. Okay, this is a marriage relationship. So it does not matter what takes us from him, it's good or bad. Okay, it's not good or bad. So this is the basis of separation. This is the basis of separation. Now look at Exodus 20 and verses 1 to 5. God spoke all these words, say, but what are the first things he says? First thing he says is not you be separated. He says, this is the reason I tell you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's what he says. I am the one who brought you out. If I hadn't brought you out, you would have lived and died as slaves. But now you are a chosen people, my people. I brought you out. So the same thing he says. If I hadn't delivered you out of your sin, you would have died and gone to eternity into hell. But I saved you. And the only way I could save you was through the blood of my son, the life of my son. And I loved you so much, I allowed my son to die. Okay? And now that I have brought you out, he says, yeah, you shall have no other gods before me. You will not have anything in your life that takes my place. That's what it means. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Okay, that is talking about jealousy. Okay, and jealousy in itself is not, uh, it's not wrong. Okay, that's the jealousy that is right. He says, I'm a jealous God. He said, you know why? Because you're mine. And I will not allow you. And so many of us, we need to understand that. You know what? That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And if God is not first in our life, what happens is that God himself is against us. Not to destroy us, but to teach us a lesson. Okay? And he, he withholds himself from us. Because that's the basis. Because the basis of separation is love. And he says, I separated you for me. And I will not allow anything or anybody, good or bad, replace me in your life. Okay? And he comes in Exodus 34 and verse 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He says, you know what? My name is Jealous. I'm jealous about you. Okay? It's a jealous God. And you will realize is that in so many Marriages. The issue is this. The issue is, the issue is not a lack of anything. Most marriages, even in our church, everybody has everything they need. <laughs> the issue is that either the man or the woman thinks, I'm not first in your life. I'm not first in your life. Either it is your work or either it is your children or it is or something. Because one of the things we counsel mothers when they have their babies is that be very, very careful. Okay? Don't replace the baby as the husband with the baby. Baby will grow up and go. Your husband will be always there with you. Don't replace the husband with the baby. Okay? Your priorities, the child needs your attention, the child needs your care, but in your life, the first is your husband. Otherwise, what will happen? Your marriage will start breaking down. Okay? Is a fundamental sin relationship. Okay, fundamental sin relationship. And this is what God says. You see what? I put you over here. You have work to do. You have all these things to do. But remember, I'm a jealous God. 
you will not let anything or anybody replace me in your life. Because when you do that, you are praising it. You are giving it glory. You are saying, this is what deserves my heart, my attention, my whole being. And God will not allow it. Okay. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 24. For your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. In 5 and verse 29. Oh. 5, yeah, not 3. 5, 29. Yeah, oh, they had such a heart in them, they, okay. Yeah, okay, leave that alone, I think I've got it one, this thing, okay. Zechariah 1.14. So the angels who spoke with me said to me, proclaim, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. Okay, it is a Z, okay, but it's basically the same thing. Okay, I'm very zealous for you with a great zeal. And you come to Zechariah 8 and verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, with great fervor. I am zealous for her. Okay? And you will realize in the new covenant, the church is called Zion. Okay? So God is saying is that I am so jealous about you. I am so zealous about you. The question is, are you jealous about me? Are you zealous about me in the same way or do you have other idols in your heart? So God is a jealous God and his name is jealous. This is the basis of separation. Why? Because first, God created us for himself. Second, when we fell away, he redeemed us for himself at an unbelievable price he paid. And then when he sanctifies us continuously, that is also for himself. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave himself for her that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word for what? That he might present her to himself, a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blame. Why should she be all that? For whose sake? For his sake. He says, I am holy. I created you for myself. You were holy when I created you. When you fell, I redeemed you with my blood. Now I am sanctifying you and making you like what? Making you like me for my sake. Okay? The basis of it is all love. Okay? And there is a jealousy in love which is acceptable, which is a holy jealousy. Okay, that is the premise of becoming holy. It is not the law; otherwise, you will never, never. I mean, you can just give up. There's no point trying. You will, you will, you will become hard person. You will become a hard person. The only way you will sustain in your pursuit of holiness is because you are becoming something for somebody who loves you. And who you love in return. Otherwise you will not change. I will tell you, in a marriage, the day the husband and the wife stop loving, they stop changing. They don't change for each other anymore. They don't change for each other anymore. The wall is over there. They may be good uh, hostel mates. That's all. But they don't change anymore. No. So what is lost? The oneness is lost. The purpose of marriage was oneness. 
the purpose of God creating man and the church was oneness. We shall be, they shall be one as we are one. Okay, the oneness is gone. There's a purpose behind the purpose. The two shall not, the two shall be one. Where does one stop? The one stops is when you stop changing. Stop changing. The same thing happens over here. The day we stop loving God, we stop changing. We stop changing. So understand the premise. That is why in 1 John chapter 2, 15, God says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why does he say? Because this entire world is created by the enemy for our affections. God is not saying do not live in the world. God is not saying do not use the things in the world. God is not saying do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? Because if you do it, you will never change to become like God. You stop changing because your heart is divided. Your affections have gone. Look at how James says in James chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know friendship with the world is enmity with God? Why does he use the term adultery over there? Because it's, we are in a spiritual relationship. One who is uh, in the spirit with God is one with him in the spirit. Right? Who are therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Okay? So God's spirit is in us. Okay? God's spirit. It's not like the husband goes to the office and the wife doesn't know what he's doing. Here every second the spirit of God knows where our affections are. Every second he knows. And he wants us to do things, but he wants us to do the things and never, like any instant, miss out on the fact that God comes first in our life. First in our life. You know, and that you can, it can happen also, uh, you can be at work, okay, and you can be doing all your work, but at the back of your mind, it's always your family. Why are you there? Who are you there for? What are you doing over here? Your work is not the reason you are there. You are working because of your family. Okay? And that's what God is talking about. Okay? The spirit yearns jealously. So you see the same spirit in Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. He will say, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Why is he saying to the Corinthian church? Because they are very worldly, very carnal church. Very carnal church. And he's very upset with them. He says, you know what? You can't be like this. You were saved out of the world. Like Israel was saved out of the Egypt. You were saved out of the world for God. And you can't go back to the world. Okay, you can't go back to the world. And there is the part of us, okay, that hates this entire message of separation. Galatians 5.17 The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. What is the one that takes us to the world? This is flesh. And the flesh is forever. I mean, the flesh hates the message of separation. From. 
Because the flesh likes the world. Okay, so there was this flesh that came out of Egypt. Hated the wilderness. Hated everything that was. So the only complainer, always comparison was with the world. Okay. So understand the flesh cannot be redeemed. It cannot be educated. He cannot be disciplined. The flesh. You cannot cast out the flesh. Okay. You cannot cast out the flesh. It's not a demon. You cannot cast it. You cannot, you can cast the demon out of the flesh, but you cannot cast the flesh out. The only thing you can do with the flesh is Romans 8.13 is if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Okay, you will die. What is death? Ultimately separation from God. You will die. Ultimately God will leave you. Hmm? Ultimately what will happen? Okay, the marriage will break down. It will go to separation and it will go to divorce. And when the divorce court gives divorce, the marriage is dead. It's over. It is over. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's what happened to Israel. They went after the world, after the gods of this world. Finally, God said, okay, that's what you want. Bible says in Jeremiah, he gave them a bill of divorce and said, and that's it. Israel is gone. Israel is gone till today. Now Israel wants to go to God. They can only go go through Christ. So they have to wait until the fullness of the Gentiles is in. Israel has been gone. God is protecting them because of his covenant. He's a covenant keeping God. Okay, that's it. But otherwise you will realize what will happen. So we need to understand the basis of separation. Because we don't get this, this, okay. We will never separate. And we will hate the message of separation. We will struggle with separation. Struggle with separation. Okay, struggle with separation. Second Corinthians chapter 6, we looked at it last week too, okay. First it says, separate from unbelievers. Separate from the lawless ones. Separate from darkness. Separate from Belial or Satan. Okay. Yeah. Further down. Separate from idols. It's all about separating. Different categories. God says, separate, 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 separate. And if you do, what will he say? I will dwell with them. And walk among them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. The question is, what is unclean? You know, answer, God will tell you. It is not what I think is unclean. It is what is unclean for him. What is unclean for him. Okay. And if you do not, what happens? We cannot fellowship with him. He doesn't lose. We lose. We lose. So everything has be to be seen in the light or in the prism of his love for us. See, in heaven, the cry is holy, holy, holy. On earth, the cry is not holy, holy, holy. The cry on earth is, how loving is he? Okay, you know the cry on heaven and the cry on earth are not the same. He doesn't come and say, holy, holy, holy. No, 
He doesn't say that to us. He says that in heaven. In heaven, the whole of creation knows how holy he is. So the cry of heaven is holy, holy, holy. But the cry on earth is not holy. The cry on earth is how loving is he. Okay? If you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and you will see, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of his holiness? No. No. Because of his holiness, of course we will bow. But that's not the primary reason on which man bows before God. For whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You think Gabriel calls him father? No. For the reason I bow my knees here, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and what? Grounded in love, see, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is that we have to comprehend? What is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 2021. Yeah. yeah. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. What is he talking about? Okay, you see, he says, if you understand how much he loves us and we are grounded in his love, we'll always see that he does more than we ask. He does more than we ask. Okay, that's what love does. Love gives more than what is asked. Okay, it is the law that will only give the first smile. Okay, first smile. But love goes the second mile. Jesus did not come with the law. He came with grace. And grace is a manifestation of his love, not of his holiness. It's a manifestation of his holiness. Sorry, of his love. And love always goes the second mile. Okay, over there. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. When we see his love, understand his love, you know what? We will want to glorify him. We will want to praise him. Okay. So John 3.16, for it's the cry on earth, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay. This is the basis on which relationship with God with man on earth is established. It is not based on his holiness first. It is based on his love first. In heaven, it is based on his holiness first. Because they see him. They know him. They understand him. We don't. We don't. We don't. Okay? I mean, how does God literally deal with us? God deals with us the way, like now we have Albert and Kirti with twins, and we have Raj and Appu with a baby, right? We have Rima. Okay, we have this. Now, to that baby... Only thing the parents show is love. No holiness, no separation message, nothing. 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 <laughs> nothing. Only love. Only love. Okay. They do the separation for the baby. They do the cleaning. With everything they do it for the baby. But what do they shower on the baby every day? It is love. That's what God does with us. 
Okay, and then we get to know him, understand. He says, now you know what? Now, become like me. Become like me. Why? So that we can walk together. And that's why children imitate the parents. Okay. Children imitate the parents. They don't understand when the child, if you ask um, Sarah over there and Abigail, and um, Abigail is a little bigger, why do you cover your head while praying? She won't give you a theological argument <laughs> because mama does. <laughs> that's all. Okay. That's all. That's okay. When we have all these things of the children going around, are they really worshipping? No, they're just imitating. Okay, but that's all they are asked to do. That's what Paul, God says. You know what? You just walk with me and imitate me. That's all. You will be holy. You just have to walk with me and imitate me. So you need to understand God is like a father, like a parent, like a mother. There's no separation message in the beginning. He just showers us with his love. And he loves us to the uttermost. Okay? And on that basis, he will say, you know what? I love you so much. Now, you be like me so that we can walk together. You see, there is an issue with you and me walking together. I love you so much. I did all this for you. I redeemed you. I saved you. But you have to walk with me. The issue is, I am clean and you are unclean. Okay. Let us say our little Gracie. Appu and Raj love Gracie. Okay. Just because they love Gracie, let us say Gracie has vomited and she has passed motions also. But that is okay. We love you so. Do they do that? No. They clean the baby up. For whose sake? For their sake. For their sake. And also for the baby's sake. You getting it? You getting it? They clean the baby up for the baby's sake and for their sake. They know if you don't clean it, it is bad for the baby. And if they don't, they don't clean it. They cannot fellowship with the baby. They can fellowship, but they have to be far away. You know what? God wants us to come close to him. We don't understand this. We will never. That's why it is said. That's what Paul says in 3. I bow my knees to the Father from whom the family in heaven and the family on earth. You know what? Okay. And why do they cry there, holy, holy, holy? Because he is holy and they are holy. They are able to walk in and out of his presence all the time. Angels go in, go to talk. I mean, they are able to fellowship with God because he is holy and they are holy. And the unholy ones are cast out. And here he loves us and he tells us to be holy. Okay, So when he says, when he tells us things, it is all based on his love for us. And he says, you know what? This is who I am and this is how I love you. And you know what? Honestly, if you look at it, the most powerful force on earth is love. What people will do for it? What risk people will do? Like, like I said, you have a 90 plus year old queen in England. It's because one man left the throne. Otherwise, she would never be queen. Somebody else would have been. You know why? Because he fell in love with the American lady. Annie Simpson, if I'm right. Okay, She fell with that American lady. But she was a divorcee. And the U.S. Constitution says the king cannot marry a divorcee. So he left the throne, married her, and settled in France. To the heck with the throne, he said. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Understand that, okay? So that's what, that's, we need to understand this thing. Otherwise all these messages will just make us miserable. 
miserable. All the messages we hear will make us miserable. And you know what, honestly? And that's what he tells the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. You know what? You're good. But deep inside I look, you're miserable. You are really, really, you're just mechanically doing things in your marriage. No, they're miserable marriages where things are done mechanically. Mechanically done over there. You know why? It's because he says there's no love here. There's no, he says you go back to your first love. Okay, do the things as you did in the beginning. And if you know in the beginning, many of the things which are done in the beginning was not perfect. But it was loving. Later on you became perfect, but the love went out. Love is gone. Love went out. And that's what God is saying. You know, honestly, God says, you know what? When you became a believer, remember? You you loved singing and worshipping me. But really at that time you did not know how to sing. But I enjoyed your songs. Now you are good. You play the guitar, you play the keyboard, you sing. But you know what? I don't enjoy it anymore. I'm not talking about Peter, okay? <laughs> okay. I don't enjoy it anymore. Okay, this is incredible. It's an interesting story told. It's a story, okay, about this choir, this beautiful choir, and in that choir there was an old member, okay, but his voice was become shaky, 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 shaky. So finally, the pastor, the choir director, all got together and told him, "You need to get out of the choir." So he was <laughs> he was very upset, okay, because he loved worshiping. So that next Sunday he was not there in the choir, and now the choir is sounding really, really good because that one shaky voice is not. Here. But they said in heaven it was different altogether. God was upset. He said, that's the only man who was worshipping me in that whole choir. He says, where is that voice? I miss that voice. Because he was the only one that was genuine over there. Okay, So we need to understand, even as we focus on all the other things, the basis, the premise on why we do these things. Never forget why we do these things. Okay, So, Those who are believed, he wants us to be sanctified so that we can experience him more and more and more and praise him and glorify him. So the first thing we saw last week was he tells Abraham, separate. Abraham left. But did he leave fully? No. Whose loss? Abraham's loss. But the minute his father died, he moved into Canaan. God appeared to him. And he built an altar. He had an experience of God. What caused that experience? Because he separated himself. And the Bible says years later, when Lot left, the second block, okay, Lot left, what does the Bible say? God spoke to him again. Lift up. So every time somebody leaves in his life, Hagar lives or Ishmael lives or he takes Isaac onto the altar, the final level of separation, you will see he experiences God more and more. That's the thing. But if we are not interested in experiencing God, we only look at salvation as a ticket to heaven. But my life is on earth like the children of Israel, first generation. They just wanted to get out of the bondage of Israel, of Egypt. They didn't want to literally live the life of Egypt. They didn't really love God. Okay, They didn't really love God. But the second generation loved God. Okay, so we need to understand. So when he says, understand, if you get it, the basis on which he says, do not eat certain things, 
especially in the Old Testament. It is so. Why? Because his child who has sickness or bad health cannot serve him or praise him or glorify him the way a healthy one can. I can be present. Okay? Honestly, you know, if you fall sick, you know, it affects everything. It affects your relationship. It affects you get cranky and you want all the attention and you are not able to give. The minute you become sick, if you become sick, what happens is you become a taker. You become a taker. You stop becoming a giver. Okay? And God says, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. When you told Israel, what was the whole idea? That they would be sanctified. But what was the whole premise? So that they would be healthy. So they would have a close relationship with him. And they would use his bodies to serve him. And they would have a walk with him. So we need to understand from where he is coming. Otherwise, we will only see it as rules. Why does he have to say all these tasty things I cannot eat? He says, the reason is, you will be able to walk with me. Okay. So when he says, separate yourself from, let us say, alcohol, drugs. Why? So that these things will not limit our mind to experience him. What does these things do? It affects, certain things affects our body. Certain things affects our mind. But both ways, it limits us from experiencing him. Okay? Limits from experience. We, we, we don't, we have to, if we don't bring this as basis, I'm telling you, we will never be separated. To, 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 to not, uh, run too long. To not run too long. Okay? That's why he was talking about the Pharisees. You know what? You're white to wash graves. Outside all separated, inside you're worse than the others. You know why? Because you don't have that motivating force to separate yourself. <clears throat> now come. So separation goes, okay? Exodus chapter 13 and verse 14 to 16. So we will see what God says. So it shall be when your son asks you in time. What is he talking about? He says all the firstborn of Israel, animal or man, shall be to God. They shall be separated to me. Firstborn shall be separated. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come. What is this that you shall say to him? By the strength of the hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it comes to pass when the Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man, the firstborn of the beast. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, and all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And it shall be a sign. So he says, you know what happens? He says, you know what? When your cow gives birth and is the first calf, you know what? It has to be redeemed. And your son will ask, why should we give it away? He says, you know what? That was the price God paid to save me. The firstborn of Israel had to die. I, sh I would have died, but I did not die. So you see, the concept of separation is based on the price that was paid. Okay? The concept of separation. Okay? And then, what happens? We know what happened. The golden calf incident. Right? They came down, the golden calf. So what happened? God changed his ordinance. Because on that day, only one tribe showed 
zeal. They were, let us use that term, jealous for God. Eleven tribes were not jealous for God. Okay? Now God is jealous for the whole twelve. But only one tribe is jealous for God because unrequited love makes no meaning. Okay? So God's love, only one tribe showed back. So what did God do? Now, in the book of Numbers, yeah. 18, uh, 3. Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, Levite shall be mine. Now you need to look at it. When we are zealous, like God is zealous for us, we are zealous for God and separate for God. God says, you know what? I will separate you from the others for myself. Okay? From you. God separated Israel from all the nations and said, you are for me. But Israel did not. Then there was an incident. God said, all your firstborn shall be mine. But what happened is, it did not happen that way. The Levites are now separated. Now, when they entered, look at Numbers 18 and verse 20. When they are entering into the promised land, before they enter, the commands are given. Okay, The Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. You see, we, we will not understand this unless we understand the nature of what God is saying. God is saying, to the other tribes, I give them land. To you, I give you myself. You don't need land. I give you, you are my, in, I am your inheritance. Okay? What separation does? When we are separated, unto, the whole question is that, unless we are separated, God will not commit himself to us. Um, most Christians are content with that. I'm fine. As long as you give us land and houses and money, we are good. So 11 tribes had land and houses and money and one tribe had God. But the problem is every time Israel had an issue, they need to go to these people to go to God. And even now you will realize every time the church has an issue, they will find a man or a woman who knows God and ask them to pray for you. You know why? Because you don't walk with God. It's simply a reason you don't walk with God. You are not separated unto God. So what happens? Automatically you look for a man or a woman who is separated unto God. But that is not the new covenant. That was never. But we live in the old covenant pattern. You look for men or women who are separated unto God and says, will you please pray for me? What does it mean? That's what the priest did. Will you please intercede for me? Okay. You know what? Because they know. And the one who is coming know God has not committed himself into my hands. If God has committed your himself into your hands, you will not ask somebody else to. I'm not saying there's a community of believers where we pray for one another. But I'm saying of a constant need. Okay. Look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, to bless in his name to this day. Okay? Did you see? They were separated. Okay, why? Because they were zealous for the Lord. And then, therefore, Levi has no portion, no inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord, your God, promised him. 18, 1 and 2. The priests, the Levites, all the tribe of Levi shall no part or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. Now, the funny thing about it is, was that, you know what? All the 11 tribes had to give 10%. 
Rest ten percent came to the Levites. The Levites ended up with hundred and ten percent. Okay, okay. Why? <laughs> Levites ended up with hundred and ten percent. Then you kill a goat. The best part has to be given for offerings. So you ate the hoof and the ears. The Levites ate the fat portions. Did you see what happened with? But Levites never knew this is what is going to happen to them. All they knew was on that day the Levites were zealous for God. God says, you know what? I am your portion. I am your inheritance. Okay. Therefore they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance as he said to them. Now what happens is among the Levites also problem happens. Finally only one family is left. Who is that? The family of Zadok. So in Ezekiel 44, but the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when Israel went astray from me. So they went astray. They shall come near me to minister to me. They shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord. So he says only one family is left. What is What does he say about them? It shall be in regard to their inheritance. I am their inheritance. You shall give them no possession in Israel, for I am their possession. So you will see the trend always continues. If there was ultimately only one family that was zealous for God, God says, you know what? I am their inheritance. I am their portion. This is the basis on which we separate. Okay. He loves me so much. Among all these crazy people, he saved me because I was the craziest of the Lord. Okay. Okay. Therefore, I love him. He did not see anything in me. I was weak. I was ungodly. I was a sinner. I was an enemy of God and he laid down his life for me. He laid down his life for me. Right? Now you look at simply like we, we think about those 13 soldiers who died in that bomb blast. Okay? Why were they there? They were there to rescue others. They were not fighting a battle. They could have come back. Okay? They were there to help others, basically the Afghans and the American civilians left over there. Okay? They laid down there. So there is grief about their death. Okay? Now think about it. Why did, why did Jesus die? Did he do anything wrong? No. Why did he have to die? Did he have to die for any reason? No. The only reason he died is to save us. Okay. The only reason he died is to save us. And then when we are zealous for him, he says, you know what? You are my portion. You are my inheritance. Okay. That's what God is talking about. As long as we are not separated unto him on that premise, not legally on that premise, he will truly never reveal himself to us. He will give us what we want. He will send leanness into our soul. What is leanness into our soul? How does the leanness into our soul happen? Leanness into the soul happens because God does not reveal himself to us. There's no fellowship with God. We, we have everything we need. Everything we need. But God does not walk with us. He doesn't really live. And when that happened, that is why the fat was offered as a sacrifice to God. So, we should be having fatness of the soul, not leanness of the soul. Leanness of the soul means, you know what, God is not our portion. God is not our inheritance. We can, we will realize as we go further and further in life, these things really, really matter. Really matter. I am their inheritance. I am their portion. The new covenant, what God, God does say, you are. 
are chosen meaning we were separated when something is chosen you go to a, you go to a boutique and you see a whole line of dresses you pick one it's separated from the others you put it into the bag it's separated he said there were so many i chose you you are separated now the question is he chooses will we be separated is the question you are a chosen generation second you are royal immediately you are no longer ordinary you are separated bloodline you are a priest you are no longer ordinary again you are separated you are holy again it's a word of separation his own special people again it is a level everything is about separation each one of those adjectives says we are separated for what so that once you know who has separated you and who has made his own you will proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and revelation 16 he has made us kings and priests to his god and his father to him be glory and dominion so you will see it's all about separation okay so today every child is of royal lineage and has access to the priesthood of god and if so God is our inheritance and he is our portion like i said that is the basis of separation in deuteronomy 32 and verse 9 the lord's portion is his people and jacob is the place of his inheritance now if you go to ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 onwards if you read this is what paul is saying okay the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him why that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints if only your eyes are opened to you know what your inheritance is okay that god is your portion this is why in during persecution of the, all the ancient centuries down to people ref, chose to die it was not about what they believed because communists also have died for their ideology muslims have died for their ideology hindus have died for their religion buddhists have died for their religion christians don't die for their religion christian die for christ we will not recant christ we will not recant we will not give on him ideology can be a big this thing and you die for your idol that's not a question here okay here is his person he says when i look at this person i'm separated unto that person because of what he has done for me so our faith should not stand in the wisdom of man first corinthians chapter 2 5 and then verse 9 yeah it's okay that's what i read as it is written I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him okay so in short god has made us for himself he redeemed us for himself and he is jealous of anybody or anything that takes us from him that position that's why he says no other gods so the basis of separation is love now that he has established his love unlike in the old covenant established his love more in the new covenant this is what he says john chapter 14 and verse 15 if you love me keep my commandments in other words otherwise don't do it it doesn't make any difference to me 
It's good for you if you keep it. But if you don't love me, don't keep it. He says, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, hire a cook. I married a girl. If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, it's everything in the new covenant. The premise, basis on which he does is that we love him, and that's where we struggle. One John chapter four. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. What does love do? It separates. It's for this purpose. Man shall leave and cleave and become one. That's the basis. Remember, this was not written for Adam and Eve. It was written before. Okay? Because Adam had nobody to leave. Eve had nobody to leave. So it was written for all. Because Paul says marriage is a mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Okay? Christ and the church. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We, this is the whole premise. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Okay. And the whole problem is the devil knows the power of this. So what does he do? He has created this entire world and filled with love, which is false. False. Okay. False. False law. So what happens is the more we come down farther to the end of the world, we find it more difficult to love God because we don't know what is true. We don't know what it is true. Okay. Okay. It is like these uh, robbers had got into this train and uh, they started asking all the passengers to take off their gold. There was this lady with all these bangles and this thing and all, everything, and they took it all out of her and then she had one small ring over there and uh, she said, cried, please, please, please don't take it off. My husband gave it to me. This thing. They said, okay, leave it and they went. And all the others, after they got and the train moved, they were all crying and she was sitting very happy. She said, what happened? Why are you happy? She said, all of that was fake. This was the only one that was genuine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The problem is, it is like that. If the world is full of fake and when we see the genuine, we don't appreciate it. We don't appreciate it. You know? We have been fed on the fake. You know? Honestly ask ourselves, who is the one we struggle most to love? It is God. Yet He's the love, only love. That is genuine. Okay, that is true. 1 John 5, 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So whenever he says anything he says, it's very easy. Okay, Very, very easy. Okay, Very easy. But if you don't love, every commandment is burden. Even the smallest, littlest one is a burden. That's why I keep telling parents, young parents, one of the first things which you learn, we learn later, but better learn later than never learn. Your children, in the beginning, when you are doing their growing up, you should shower them with love. That they will just obey you because they love you. 
Not because they are afraid of you. That will come later. They, basically, it's not they afraid of you. Basically, they will. They are learning that uh, so they, there are consequences to sin in real life, and they learn it fast at home. There are consequences. If you do this, this is what will happen because there is law. When you break a law, consequences follow. But that's not the reason we keep the law. Okay, because the Bible is very clear. If we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. Not under the law. You don't need a law. Don't need the law. The law is for the lawless. We don't need the law. We don't need the law. The law is for the lawless. Okay? So if Bible says in um, Romans 8.30 that through the Spirit put to death the works of the flesh, and verse 14 says immediately as many as are led by the Spirit. And if you are led by the Spirit of the Lord, there is no law. Why? Because you are now led by love. And love will keep the commandments. And the commandments are not burdensome. I'm not saying it is not tiring. I'm saying it's not burden. Burden and tiring are two different things. Okay? Burdensome means it's in your mind. Why do I have to do it? Why do I have to do it? And that question never rises. It says, you know what? I want to do it. You know? Want to do it. Yes, and then. So when Moses went, Remember on the mountain and told the people, and God told the people, tell them, you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, go tell them. <coughs> so he went and told them. Verse 9 and 10, Exodus 19. The Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord said to the people, Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. Okay, <coughs> consecrate means set them apart. Okay, set them apart. With, with them it is all outward, outward, okay? But it is teaching us, okay? God says, anytime you want me to come to you, you have to sanctify yourself. Okay, if any man says he's with, without sin, he makes God a liar. But if he confesses, the blood of Jesus, okay? Meaning without sanctifying, we cannot. That is the holiness of God, okay? The holiness of God demands sanctity. But it is the love of God that will cause us to sanctify. The holiness of God will not cause us to sanctify because nobody will. That's why the people said, you know what? We will stand far away. You go. Why? Because they never knew God. But Moses was willing to go and never wanted to come down the mountain. God had to send him down. Go, the people have gone crazy over there. Okay. Are you getting the picture? The holiness of God demands sanctification. But that does not mean we will sanctify. Sanctify. It is his, our love for him. And why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Okay. So don't look in the mirror and say how great I am. Look in the mirror and see your own and say, I mean, what did you see in me to love me? No, because that's what I said. The world love is all based on the outward. She's good looking. He's good looking. We like something about that person. Oh, sings well. He's tall. This thing. But when God looks at us, there is nothing good in us, and He still loves us. Okay, still loves us. Okay, and if we really, really saw ourselves when God picked us up as we really were, then we will really love Him. Because you know what? If honestly. There is a transformation. 
and all of us spiritually is seen the way we are, nobody would love us. Let's say before we were saved. Let's say before we were saved and started changing. No man would be loved because all we would see is demon infested. Wicked, evil people. That's how we would actually look in the spiritual realm. Nobody would love us. But God did. God did. Okay. Even when they asked something which God did not like, remember? They wanted meat in the desert. God in his love said, okay, I will give you meat. But before I give you meat, what do you need to do? Numbers 11 and verse 8. Okay, so just think, ask them to sanctify themselves. Maybe 18. Me and my numbers. 18, right? Yeah. You shall say to the people, consecrate yourself tomorrow and you shall eat meat. Why are these things important? You have two choices. You can either eat meat or you can eat meat in my presence. You want to eat meat in my presence from my hands? Then consecrate yourself. Okay. Consecrate yourself. Okay. Now if you look at it, this is basically what the devil has done. Like not here especially in western churches. How people come to church on Sundays, have you noticed? They come in their shorts, they come in whatever they like, okay? They don't actually sanctify, separate themselves from the worldly crowd when they come to church. And therefore they come and they go with a very emotional experience and really not experiencing God. Even when they had to eat meat, why were they, why was he asking them all this to do to a set of people who are going to die in the desert for our sake? These are spiritual principles which God is talking about. Okay, he's saying is that, you know what, if you really want to encounter in me, you will always have to separate yourself from the worldly crowd. Don't come to me like them. If you come to me like them, you're already divided. Your affections are being revealed. Okay, when the new generation is going to enter into the promised land, Joshua chapter 3, 5. God says, sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. He says, if you need to experience his miracles, you need to go to another level of separation. Okay. Then they lost the first battle, right? In I, they lost. Before that, before the, they fight that city again, get up and sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourself for tomorrow because thus is the Lord God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. What is God saying? He says, if you're going to really get into spiritual warfare, you're going to really fight. If you're not sanctified, you will not win. You will lose. You will lose. You cannot fight. You will lose. Okay? You cannot fight. The world with the world. You can fight the world only with God. And you will have to sanctify. You will have to separate. Okay. Remember 
David trying to bring the ark the first time, somebody died. Second time when he brings, he gets it. First Chronicles 15, 12. He said to them, you are the heads of the father's house of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. So what is he saying? If the priests have to bring the presence of God to the people, they have to be sanctified. Okay, and we'll see every time it continues, it continues. When Israel went down into apostasy, remember, Hezekiah comes and there is revival. What does God say? Second Chronicles 29, 5. Yeah. 29, 5. Hear me, Levites, sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Which is our holy place? It's our mind, our soul. Carry the rubbish out. It went even further down, Manasseh, remember? And then comes Josiah. And when Josiah comes, it's the same. The call of God, never why? We have to see how consistent God is. It doesn't matter who it is. Second Chronicles 35, 6. So slaughter the Passover offerings, consecrate or sanctify yourself, prepare them for your brethren, that you may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Okay. So when Moses, sorry, Abraham is standing before God and interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. The only way God's hand will be stayed is not that there will be ten saved people in Sodom, ten righteous people in Sodom. Righteous are the separated. Okay. If nations are not judged, it is only if there are sanctified people in their midst. Sanctified people in their midst. Okay. And only a man who was sanctified or separated, Abraham, could stand and intercede. Lord could not intercede. Lord could not intercede. You know why? What is Lord's problem? He was not separated. He was not separated. So he could not make any difference to the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. If he hadn't left, he would have died with Sodom and Gomorrah. So we need to understand, if we need to make a difference in this world, if our nation has not to be judged, and the judgment of God cannot be stopped, or has to be stopped, only sanctified people can stop it. Others cannot stop it. Okay. So, as we close, what is common about all the men and women in Hebrews 11? All were separated. There were four people in the fourth chapter. Adam, Eve, Abel and Cain. Abel was separated from the other three by an act of fate. He was separated. His, his offering showed that he was separate from the others. By the time to the seventh generation, one man is separated from everybody, including his family and his household. When you come to the tenth generation, Noah and his household is separated from the rest. If you come to Hebrews 11, verse 9, the next three who are mentioned are, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, in a foreign country, dwelling in tents, meaning he is separated, continuously separated. He will keep on moving as God tells him. With whom? With Isaac and Jacob. They are a separated people. And therefore God could reveal them himself to them. One prostitute in Jericho are separated from the rest by a crimson ribbon. 
and she escaped judgment. In Hebrews 11, 23 and 24. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents. Three months by his parents. What's the message there? When our children are born, when our children are small, we hide them and separate them from the world. We hide them and separate them from the world and separate them unto God so that when they come of age, they will refuse to be the children of this world. If we don't separate them, they will become the children of this world. We hide them. We separate them. It's our job to separate them. But if the parents are not separated, the children will not be separated. So the first call is to the parents to be separated. And we separate the children. And when it, After that, it does not matter. When he comes of age, he refused. What was his refusal? His refusal was to step out and separate from Egypt. Okay. So the writer of Hebrews challenges us finally. And this is his final challenge. Hebrews 13, 12 to 15. Therefore, let us go forth to him. Where? Outside the camp. Not the city. Outside the camp. Bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city. But we seek the one to come. And let therefore by him let us continually offer. This goes in context. If you have not separated yourself and come out to the camp where he died, we will not be able to praise and glorify him. Why are we not able to continually praise him and glorify him is because we are not separated. We are not separated. If we stay in the city, which is a symbolic picture, and meaning we are in the world, our praise is like in on and off. It is not continuous. It's not. It is manufactured. <laughs> it is manufactured. It is not genuine. But when you have gone outside the camp, it becomes. So, what is the basis of separation? We love him because he first loved us. That's the only basis. So, what do we do? Final solution. Deuteronomy 30. <laughs> the final solution. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6. And John 17, 17. The Lord God, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may love. Okay, That's something we see Holy Spirit does. The Spirit of God, if we allow Him. How does He do it? Through the Word. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. You need two people. One is the Spirit of God. The other is the Word of God. And we have our free will. God says, you choose. If you allow, I will. So we need to realize so many things that happen in our life is an answer to our prayer. I'm meaning the troubles. Because when troubles come, is we understand, oh, what does troubles do? If you understand it the right way, it causes separation. When there was trouble between Abraham's herdsmen and Lord's herdsmen, there was a separation. Some of the troubles in our lives is by God so that we will separate unto him. When Sarah saw the son of Hagar, Ishmael, scoffing Isaac, she said he needs to get out. There's trouble in the family. Why? For 
sanctification. Okay. Understand. Don't say, Lord, take this trouble away. He said, I will. Just separate. <laughs> it will go away. Okay. <laughs> okay. So please understand. Okay. All these things. Once we lose our separation, okay, strength is gone. That is what happened to Samson. First he lost his separation and he did not know the spirit of God. Okay. First he had lost it inside. Then he lost it outside with the spirit of God. The next thing he knew, he was blind and grinding. The basis of which all is the love of God. And God was still loving. Then his heads came back and he cried. God is always loving. Okay? God will not, there's a nature of love. Love does not push. Law pushes. <laughs> pushes and pokes. Love does not. God says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. I have done everything. There's nothing more for God to do. It's finished. If you love me, and Lord, I want to love you. He says, ask my spirit. He will circumcise your heart. What does he take out? He takes out all the other things that competes with your love for God. <coughs> okay. It's not that nobody here does not love God. We love God. There are other things. What does the spirit do? He takes it all away. He takes it all away. It all away. I remember this story about a, about this surgeon who loved this incredibly beautiful lady. She didn't love him. Okay, she didn't love him, but and uh, but he was crazy about her. And then she had an accident, and she needed this surgery, you know, facial surgery. And uh, after the surgery, when she comes out and all this thing, the first time she looks in the mirror, she looks horrible, horrible. She weeps and she cries because for her, for she, everything was connected with her face. And when she finishes crying, he says, you know what? I love you. And only I can love you now. Nobody else will love you. That's what I said. If you really saw what we really are, only God could love us. Nobody else. Nobody else would love us. Not even our own people would love us. They would run away. <laughs> they really know, spiritually speaking, what we are like. No. Okay. That's, that's God's solution. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We need to know, Lord, when you say be holy, why do you say be holy? What is the basis of the call to separate from and separate unto? The basis is because you love us. You want to walk with us. You want to us to experience you. But if we do not separate, we will never experience your love. Because you are holy. And all that world is going through is because they don't experience you. And there is no other way to experience you, Lord. At every point, Abraham had to separate until Abraham became the friend of God. He didn't become friend in one day. He had to separate. He had to leave behind. One day he realized God was his friend. 
And we all desire one day God would be our friend and talk to us. You yourself at the end of your life told your disciples, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Because they had left separated from everybody to be with him. I pray, Father, our eyes would be truly open to see what you are offering us. Not for a day, for eternity. You are offering us yourself. You are telling us, I am your inheritance and your portion forever. If you will separate, leave and cleave to me. But I will brook no rivals. I will never be second in your life. Never. And as I pray for for the restoration, for many of us, maybe like the church in Ephesus, have fallen from our first love, I pray for a restoration. In our walk with you, and I pray for a restoration in homes too, Lord. That we will put people who are first, first. So that God's presence can fill our lives and our homes. Because there is always order in your kingdom. And you don't change that order for any man. Teach us, Lord, and help us. Spirit of God, circumcise our hearts that we might love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. Help us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.